This weekend, our readings really focus around the sacrament of marriage. What does it mean for us to say that marriage is between a man and a woman? Why do we go back to those dictates? Why are we so old school? Why do we go back to what the Lord told us? Well, because he's the Lord and he told us. When we talk about marriage in the Catholic Church being between a man and a woman, this is where we go. When we talk about the fact that there is no divorce in the church, we ask, but why? Moses allowed us to have divorce. The society allows us to have divorce. Why don't you as the church? Well, we go back to today's gospel from Mark. In fact, there is no divorce in the church. You may ask yourselves, wait a second, I've been divorced, or I know someone that's divorced. What do you mean there's no divorce in the church? Well, in the church, there's no such thing as a Catholic divorce. That's not what an annulment is. What an annulment is, is saying that the things that were needed at the moment of consent, when you said, I do, the things that were needed to be present at that moment were not actually present. You may look back and say, but I was present, and the words came out of my mouth. What do you mean that the needs and necessities for that consent weren't there? Well, for any sacrament, we need to have freedom. We need to have the intention of the will. We cannot be coerced. That's why any couple that I meet with for marriage prep, I tell them within 24 hours of the moment that you say, I do, no alcohol, no drugs, no muscle relaxers. They're like, Father, really? No alcohol, no drugs, no muscle relaxers? No! Why? Because that can change our ability to freely consent to the sacrament. We've all heard of cases of what's called a shotgun wedding, right? She gets pregnant, you get married. It isn't so in the Catholic faith because that can limit one's freedom. They're being coerced into making that decision. But when we talk about the sacrament of marriage, there is no such thing as coercion. That can be grounds for an annulment. That's why in the Catholic Church, if you are pregnant, Canon law asks, outside of getting a specific dispensation, that we wait six months after the child is born to have the sacrament of, recon sacrament of reconciliation, no, sacrament of matrimony. Why? Because we want to make sure that you are doing so freely and not coerced. Now, sometimes those shotgun weddings turn out great and you're married for 50 years. But we see the statistics nationally that 50% of weddings, marriages, end in divorce, right? Even in the Catholic faith, 60% of marriages tend to end in divorce. Now, that number's been skewed a lot lately, and there's been a lot of writers, actually, that have come out and said, well, it's actually close to about 35%. And, of course, my response is yes, because people just are forgoing marriage at this point. Our young people aren't getting married. They're cohabitating. They have two and three and four and five kids, and 15, 20 years down the road, okay, finally we're together. Let's go ahead and get married in the church. Sometimes we'll get civilly married, sometimes we'll have civil unions, but we won't make that step before God until we know that we are not going to get divorced. In fact, I can remember having a conversation with my dad a few years ago when we were talking about marriage and talking about the ends of marriage, and he said, yeah, for me growing up, once we hit 10 years, once your mom and I hit 10 years, I said, well, now you're stuck with me. I said, what do you mean by that? Well, he had never had an experience in his life of a marriage lasting longer than 10 years. Both of his parents had been married 
three different times. And so he had never known what fidelity in marriage was about. He had never witnessed a lifelong marriage. That's why when my grandma passed away back in, in, in July, and we found the 50th wedding blessing from the Pope, I said, hey, can I have this? It's up on my wall in my office. As is her parents' 50th wedding anniversary blessing from the Pope. Why? Because it's a reminder to me that it is possible. It's a reminder to those couples that I have come meet with me in my office for marriage prep that this is the goal. That when you say I do, my expectation and your expectation should be till death do us part. Remember we say in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad, right? For richer, for poorer, right? But many times we don't have that conception of what that actually means. We look at each other and say, I love you as you are now. Don't change. Well, if that's what our conception of marriage is, we're all going to fail because you're all going to change. You're all going to grow. You're all going to mold yourselves, hopefully after each other and hopefully after the love of God. But many times we fall into the trap of the Pharisees in today's gospel. We forget that the purpose of marriage is to be unitive and procreative, that you are supposed to be with each other to help each other get to heaven. That when God created man, he was incomplete until woman came. Brings up that line from that famous Tom Cruise movie, doesn't it? You complete me. The problem, though, is society, when it looks at marriage, very rarely has anything positive to say. Husbands, how many times were you told before you got married that your wife is going to become your ball and chain? We use sentencing terms for jail in society to being married to your spouse. And then we wonder why divorce is so rampant. Because it's a punishment to get married. But in reality, it's one of the greatest blessings that God offers us. In fact, in seminary for me, one of the hardest parts of committing to being ordained as a priest was the fact that I couldn't be married. I was frustrated with God my first five years in seminary because I came from a larger family who came from larger families. I always thought, I want to be a father. I want to be a husband. I want to be a parent. And for the first five years in seminary, every single summer, I would meet a girl. And every single summer, I could say, this is someone I could spend the rest of my life with. And then I go back to seminary. And I'd be frustrated with God and say, Lord, why would you show me this good, knowing that if I become a priest, I cannot participate in this good? I was frustrated for years until I realized the beauty of what God was actually presenting to me. He was giving me the option to choose marriage. But as a priest, I cannot be married, obviously. And so what he was, he wasn't saying, I'm going to punish you, I'm going to make your life miserable. He's saying, I want you to know what you are giving up and I want you to make that decision freely. Only through the eyes of faith could I have seen it that way. 
Only through journaling and looking back could I see it that way. In the moment, I was just pissed off at God. Because God, why would you do this to me? Why would you finally bring me to where you want me to be and then say, ha, 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 taking this away? He wasn't taking anything away. What he was doing was giving me the opportunity to truly, freely, uncoerced, offer that up as a sacrifice. How many times in the marriage state have you played the what-if game? We talked about this last Sunday, if you remember correctly. Do we play the what-if game? What if I had dated this person longer? What if we hadn't broken up as high school sweethearts? In fact, Satan plays on that trigger in our lives. How many weddings and marriages have ended because of social media? Because you've gone back where you have gone away from. Oh, well, this person that I was in love with back then, they're now single. And I just got into a fight with my spouse. Maybe this is where the Lord is calling me to, right? We always hear about that saying, the grass is always greener on the other side. Until you get to the other side and realize, ah, this is just as brown as everywhere else. It's not the Lord calling you out of your marriage. When you say, I do, the Lord confirms that and blesses that I do. Anything that leads you away from it after that I do is not from God. Do not let Satan trick you. Because he will. He will use any manner of manipulation to try to get you to break up your marriage. Why? Because outside of Mary and Joseph, the most hated concept in creation to Satan is a happy marriage. A happy marriage is the bane of the existence of Satan. That's why when you hit 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, big markers, you'll see that those times, many times in your marriage, are the most difficult hurdles to get to and then to overcome. Why is that? Because Satan doesn't want it to happen. He doesn't want Father Danny to have that 50-year reminder up on his wall. He doesn't want you to be a model of faith for others to see that it's possible. In fact, I didn't plan on doing this. Raise your hand if you've been married for 10 years. Keep your hands up if you've been married for 20 years. Stand up if you've been married for 30 years. Remain standing if you've been married for 35 years. Remain standing if you've been married for 40 years. Remain standing if you've been married for 45 years. Remain standing if you've been married for 50 years. 55. 60. How many years? 66 years. I don't know about you, but I, I got chills right now. <laughs> Satan doesn't want you to see that. Did you notice how many couples have been married for over 30 years? That's a blessing. Because not all of those years were easy. 
You're going to have obstacles. You're going to have things that are going to make life almost not worth living, though that's not a possibility. But remember those people that were just standing, that have been married for over 30 years, over 60 years, 66 years. Satan wants to tell you it's not possible. He is a liar and will use anything that he can to get you to not see the Adams couple. The Adams family, perfect. October, yes. He doesn't want you to know about the Adams family. He only wants you to know about Morticia and Gomez. But they don't matter. They do. Because this is real. Was every year perfect? (laughs) Notice that he looked to her for the answer first. That's what's gotten him to 66 years. Happy wife, happy life. Just saying. But even that's not true because it takes two to have a happy marriage. Which means not every year is going to be perfect. Not every year is going to be blessed in the way that we want it to be blessed. But every year of marriage is blessed by God. Every day of marriage is blessed by God. Every moment of marriage is blessed by God because a sacrament is a blessing given to us by God. But we have to live that truth. Remember earlier I said 50% of marriages end in divorce? That was the old statistic. If you want to use that 30%, fine, whatever. But when we look statistically and break down those statistics, the family that prays together stays together. You've heard that phrase before. I've said that phrase before. 10% of couples that pray together on a daily or weekly basis end in divorce. Why is that? Have you ever heard of the triangle of faith? That this is the husband, this is the wife, and God is here at the top, at the climax of the triangle? What happens when one gets closer to God? Well, he gets closer, she doesn't. When they both work on their relationship, though, with the Lord, they get closer to each other. That's why it's important as a family to show up here on Sunday. Not just to get that check mark for the obligation of going to Mass. That's a good starting point. If that's why you're here, I bless that and I embrace that. But how do we continue to grow? Well, As I've mentioned before, the children's collection shows me that there's at least models here that are seeking to do the best they can. I know your kids don't always want to be here. Neither do I. I actually told the congregation this morning and Sarah, I said, guys, how many of you guys just did not have it this morning? Raise your hands. And my hand was up. (laughs) Because showing up at mass or at the church at 7.15 in the morning leaving here at 6.45 in the morning when I can't drive well in the dark and my eyes aren't open half the time when I'm trying to drive in the morning and then I've got to come up with a homily minus notes at 8 o'clock in the morning. I'm not all there, but I showed up. How many times have your kids used the excuse, I'm tired, I stayed up too late last night? How many times have we used the excuse, I don't have enough time to go to church? I looked at my phone this morning, and I mentioned this last week, and I get my weekly update of my screen time on my phone. It went up 20% this week. Six and a half hours. That's my daily screen time usage. I didn't realize I'm on my phone six and a half hours a day. 
six and a half hours a day on useless nothing. Now, some of that was watching the OU game yesterday in the sacristy before mass started. I'll confess that. So I want to know the score. We won. So did the Cowboys. But how much of that is just frivolous wasting time? I don't have enough time in the day. No, that's not true. We don't make enough time a day for God. But he gives us every second of every minute of every hour of every day. We can't give him an hour, a week. We can't give him 10 minutes a day. And then we wonder why our society, and I'm not just talking about the United States, I'm talking about the world. We wonder why our society is so lacking in charity. Because he who is charity is lacking in our lives. Not his fault. Because again, he wants to be in every moment and every decision of our days. We are actively keeping him out. Because we think that what is right in front of us is more important than eternity. As that old saying goes, though, there are no atheists in a foxhole. The young kids are like, what's a foxhole? Go to history class. World War I, World War II, in the trenches. Why are there no atheists? Because you're face-to-face with your mortality at that moment. As we get closer to the beginning of Advent, closer to the ending of our liturgical year, we hear time and time and time again, you know neither the day nor the hour. Are you prepared? That as members of the faith, we are called to lift each other up, even when we're having those bad days. There's no more prevalent example than what I saw on Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock at St. Francis Cemetery when one of our own 15-day-old children was laid to rest. Sorry for your loss. But I saw the community come out, the parents, the family, the friends of Olivia, there to comfort each other. Why does it take tragedy for us to do so? Why can't we just use every moment of every day to lift each other up? Because that's what the Lord is calling us to. But the Pharisees asked the wrong question in today's gospel. And we are tricked by asking that same question. Why does Moses allow divorce? Why don't you, Lord? Because in the beginning it wasn't right. But because of your hardness of heart, I allowed it. Where is our heart today? Does it embrace the will, the purpose, the love, the charity of God? Or does it embrace the hatred, the violence, and the division of the world? Ironically, in the most tragic moments of our lives is where we see what truly matters. That's why there's not an atheist in the foxhole. That's why when we celebrate 50, 60, 66 years of marriage, we celebrate that success. Something to strive for, something to shoot for. My goal today, my brothers and sisters, is to love everyone I come into contact with today. And if I don't love you, I apologize. I'll try and do better tomorrow. How do we grow if not by practicing getting it wrong and learning to do better. Let us love each other, not because we deserve it, 
Not because we're worthy of it, but because God offers it to us despite us not being worthy, despite us not deserving it. For those of you who are married, strive to be like the Adamses. 66 years, or 60 years, or 50 years, or one week. However long it's been, the Lord is calling you for one more day. That day is today. And then tomorrow, guess what? He's calling you for that day too. And the next day, and the next day, and the next day, until he calls you home. Help each other to embrace that love, to make it through those difficult moments, that opposition that Satan wants to say is incapable and unable to be surmounted. That's a lie. Because remember, on the top of that mountain mountain peak of love is God, which means the one to help you over the hump of that obstacle is God's love as well. Embrace it, share it, Live it.